Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Back with a flop. This is Flop Culture. Hello there, you are listening to Flop Culture, a podcast all about flops, sometimes about bops, and occasionally some celebrity goss sandwiched deliciously in between. My name is Fanula J. I am your host. I'm delighted to welcome you back, or maybe you're new here, uh, to season two of Flop Culture. What a buzz. Before we get to our first flop of 2023, let's take a look at the news, shall we? New couple alert. Selena Gomez and Andrew Drew Taggart are dating. Us Weekly can exclusively reveal. Yes, Selena Gomez is dating one of the Chainsmokers. This is the worst thing that's ever happened to Selena Gomez. And she got a kidney transplant before. I mean, uh, let's take a look at this from the insider uh, to us. They aren't trying to hide their romance by sneaking around at members-only clubs. The pair are very casual and low-key. The only murders in the building star, 30, and the Chainsmokers musician, 33, go bowling and to the movies when spending time together, the source adds. So baby, bowl me closer in the backseat of your bowling alley. Um, the former Disney Channel star is so affectionate with the rocker. Rocker? Generous, okay. Maybe actually just inaccurate. Uh, and Selena can hardly keep her hands off him adding that the pair are having a lot of fun together. This news comes in roughly the same week, fortnight, that Chainsmoker 1 and 2, I refuse to acknowledge that they have names, uh, admitted on the Call Her Daddy podcast that they've previously had like threesomes together or they did early on in their career when they were sharing rooms, uh, but now they don't do that anymore because they're able to get bigger rooms, which is a weird flex, but okay. Uh, Initially they did that, I mean, did anyone have this on their 2023 bingo card? Because I did not. Selena is on the up and up kind of, I don't want to say rebranding as like a serious actress, but it's all going very well for her on that side of things. You've Meryl Streep has signed up for season three of Only Murders and Paul Rudd. I mean, solid cast alongside Martin Short and the other fella, Martin Short. Martin Short. Oh, Jesus. Hang on. Martin Short, and then his other name starts with, like, the last name, so he's, like, Short. No. Steve Martin and Martin Short. That's what they're called. Sorry. Anyway, she's kind of, she's really on the come up again, and to see her, how do I say this politely, level down with a chain smoker? I don't know. I just, an odd pairing. An odd pairing to say the least. And then it's like, what was the crack with her and Brooklyn Beckham and Nicola Peltz then? You know, because I know she was joking about them being in a throuple. Maybe they were 
that's as long as everyone's consenting I don't care and to be honest I think celebrities could do with being more honest about the troubles they're in or they're not and stop pretending that they have moral compasses and that nobody cheats or like everybody's cheating whatever anyway but I'm just like I don't know but then I'm just like was was her friendship with them to deflect from the fact that she was actually seeing Mr. Chainsmoker because if I was dating a chain smoker, I wouldn't want anyone to know about it. And I would be friends with an absolute load of weirdos just to deflect from the fact that I was dating uh, a man whose main song is about robbing mattresses off people. Anyway. Anyway. I wish them well. I don't think I'll be invited to the wedding if it happens. But yeah, watch, the, watch this space on that. Uh, from one pair of flops to another, including myself, let's talk about this week's flop, shall we? Allow yourself to be transported back to the year 2007, when you had plans every weekend from, we'll say, September onwards. The X Factor's fourth season looked to replicate the success of previous winners, Leona Lewis and Shane Ward, and not so much Steve Brookstein's fade into oblivion. But what happens when you're faced with the most talented contestant being slightly more eccentric and Welsh? than you bargained for. I am, of course, talking about Ridian Roberts, placing second on The X Factor in 2007 with my wonderful guest, comedian and presenter, Laura Omani. Laura Omani, it is my absolute pleasure to have you on Flop Culture. How are you doing? I am doing great. And the pleasure is all mine. Two big, dirty car catch <laughs> We have a lot more cork representation this season. Uh, I'm very happy about it. Let's get into what you picked. What yeah. did you pick? I picked the fact that Ridian <laughs> Roberts was absolutely robbed by not winning the X Factor in 2007. What a moment in time. I I vaguely remembered it, obviously, because X Factor was just such... This was really X Factor at its peak. It hadn't yeah. really hit that point of, you know, falling off the edge of the mountain at this point. We were off the back of like Leona Lewis, Shane Ward. It was up and up and up. The ratings were absolutely huge. This series kind of all together though was a bit of a, like a damp squib in some ways because, I mean, you only need to look at the winner, poor Leon yeah. Jackson, and the way kind of things transpired with even, you know, this specific final between himself, Ridian Roberts, as you've mentioned, and Same Difference. Talk to me about, same like, difference. can you remember, oh Same Difference. I couldn't remember them either. It was only when I looking oh back, God. I was like, who else is on the series? Same bloody difference. I loved Same Difference. Were they that brother and sister duo that were quite, they had a bit of a creepy vibe yeah. when I was going into Majorly, it. And they did, was so, they did, was so ran, they did Break and Free. And then the song they did after X Factor, I'm ashamed that I remember this. It was like, together, together, we're coming undone. Something else, something else. Baby, we are one. And again, it was like, you are brother and sister okay I'm not <laughs> you're not one guys it, do you remember you know Blades of Glory you know the skating brother and sister yes, duo in yeah. that I assume they're based on same difference they, they have, have to be, be. have to be love um, a brother and sister duo but no I remember this being like for me this was a seminal moment because I was very invested in Ridian because Ridian was like coming at X Factor with a kind of musical theatre background and a kind of classically trained and on the night of the final I was out for some reason which was very unlike me Love that. and um, I met a woman on the street and I said who won the X Factor and she was like oh and I said 
the obvious person as she was like, yeah. And I went home thinking Ridian had won. <laughs> and I still haven't recovered from the shock that it was Leon Jackson. What the hell happened? He was robbed. Yeah, so let's take a closer look at that series. So there was a lot of changes this year. This was Danny Minogue's first yeah. season as a judge and she ended up being Leon and Ridian's mentor because she had the boys. Oh, the boys! I wasn't expecting that at all. This was also the first year that they'd split that 16 to 24 categories into boys and girls. The gender binary doesn't exist, but in X Factor it does for some reason. Yeah. Um, and they were also letting like 14-year-olds audition, which is like an issue Chaos. in itself. I went back and watched the the judges' houses that Danny did in yes, Ibiza. So it was Leon and Ridian, obviously, as we know, and then some guy called Charlie, some fella called Luke, and Andy, who also ended up going to, who ended up being in the category and making it to the live finals. And it was just like, even at that point, right, they were really positioning Leon and Ridian because they were clearly like the front runners. Maybe not in your mm-hmm. eyes, but I think Leon was more marketable in the sense that he was like young, handsome, like had this kind of sympathetic story, like working class, like just wanted to do it for his mom. He had a journey. And then Ridian, they were just fully positioning as like a novelty act, but he wasn't a novelty act. He was just classically trained and like had a bit of an ego problem, to be honest. But worse than that, Fanula, what they did to Ridian is that they cast him as the villain. Right. And I remember before I went back and looked over the clips last night, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember Ridian. He was so sinister and he was quite creepy, even though he had a brilliant voice. I looked back. That is just a musical theatre man. That is a man who is classically trained, has done musical theatre, knows how to hit his spots on stage. From the get go, Danny was calling him that she was afraid he was a bit too sure of himself and too cocky. It was very much in that era where like on the X Factor, if you were sure of yourself, you were a problem. Like, as in, whereas nowadays, I think we'd be like, oh my God, he's, you know, he's got such stage presence. He's so amazing. But we were like, no, he's a real Irish kind of, oh no, he loves himself. He lo- oh, he'd <laughs> he eat, himself. if he was he chocolate, he'd eat himself. Oh yeah, no, 100%. It was, we were very much in that time period of there needs to be the sob story, which was mm-hmm. Leon Jackson, which not in halfway, wasn't actually even sad in the context of his own life, I'm sure. But whatever, it was just, he was a normal guy growing up, wanted to do the X Factor, wanted to do well, don't we all? And then Ridian was just like this guy who came in and was just very sure of himself. It, like at one point in Judges' Houses, he's talking about how he wants to be knighted. That's one of his goals. Oh, yeah. he, he hasn't even made he hasn't even made it to the live finals yet. And he's talking about sharing this like God-given talent that he has. And it's just very much positioned as, you know, Ridian's the like villain, villain yeah. novelty act when it couldn't really have been further from the truth. Was he an X Factor? He had the X Factor in the way of the definition of X Factor being like, you can't put your finger on it. But in the X Factor definition of that show and the music industry at that time, he wasn't marketable. He wasn't pop in that way. So I think that's why they wanted to make that divide. Because even though he was streets ahead of the other lads, and that's evident at judges' houses even, like they couldn't, I suppose in a way, they were probably like, what do we do if he does win? Because we, we don't know what to do with him. I will own the stage. I have the capacity and the capability to own the stage. I don't think I've shown that this far. I haven't. If people think they've seen the best of Ridian this far, they ain't seen nothing yet. And I want people to see that I can achieve a lot, lot more. Yeah, like, as in, this was... So, like, Ridian um, was 
like unbearably talented, just brilliant. But Leon, back to Leon, like Leon's story, as you say, was just that he had a single mom and was raised by the mom on his own. Like it wasn't that drastic, but they made it into this whole like unbelievable journey for Leon. And he was really, you know, there's loads of videos of him crying and stuff. And then you go to a video of Ridian with his like steely eyes and his white hair. And it's like, look at this, look at this villain. Like as in this was, and then Simon Cowell like was always on board, but Ridian, but this is like pre, we'll say Calabro. Do you remember when Calabro were on Britain's Got Talent? Yes, and yes. we were, and even Subo, we were suddenly all about musical theatre. It was having its moment. Everybody was singing I Dreamed a Dream. Like Ridian predated all of that. And as you say, they didn't know what to do with him. What if this fellow wins? He's going to be singing musical theatre songs all over the place. But like, then they became cool. He just was a couple of years too early, I think, ahead of his time. And also the fact that he was really good at singing The Phantom of the Opera. They tried to make it out like he was the phantom like <laughs> that even though you see like close-ups of his face and he is like obviously some sort of like chicken box marks on his face and it's like look at him he's disfigured like the phantom he truly is Michael Crawford like ridiculous just ridiculous and then poor Leon is crying over in the corner like it's just why did they do this? Every clip I watched of Leon, he's crying. And it's so funny. You, know you know those intro videos that they do where it's like the big voiceover man, his name escapes me now, but you, where they're doing the intro before yeah. they come on stage, whatever. And it's like, you know, Ridian Roberts. And he's like, as you said, the ice blonde hair, like the silver suit. And he's like swinging the microphone around and he's so confident and kind of brash. And then the other intros are like all of them kind of looking like, you know, reserved, but like ready to get out there on the stage, like sadness in their eyes. It's just... And Leon has one of those crying faces as well, whereas even if he's not crying, like his face is still all quite red and blotchy from (laughs) being crying. So he looks like a fella that is just constantly bawling. But as well, Fidula, they eventually used to announce Ridian just by his first name. So like aligning him with like Madonna and other kind of cocky pop icons, he just became Ridian, which also made him more of a villain. They should have just put a the before it. The Ridian. The Ridian. The Ridster. The Ridster. Anonymous. He truly had made it. Ladies and gentlemen, Ridian. Ladies and gentlemen, Ridian. Ladies and gentlemen, Radian. Even looking back at the clips though, because again, my memory of it before going back because it was similar to yours was that he was like this really evil person, but that's just how manipulative reality TV was. That's what they wanted you to believe. But even at one point when they were going through, so I think he, he made it, th- he obviously made it through that initial audition. And then the next round, they're all kind of debating about whether they bring him through to judges' houses. And Sharon says at one point, I want to throw things at him. He's revolting. And Simon says, he's repulsive, but he can sing. The man was just blonde, like... Oh my God. And sorry, they made him blonder. He has since spoken about this in an interview is that he had that kind of ice white thing going on, but that Simon kept going, no, it must be icier. It needs to be whiter. Like, (laughs) ridiculous. They were painting him as a character. And actually, I was watching back when Simon gives some comments to Ridian and there was one week where he was like, when he did um, Go West, where Simon was like, I think you'll have annoyed some of your fans or whatever. And I had an impression that like Ridian was really aggressively responding to the comments and stuff Ridian is just a nice normal Welsh chap standing there <laughs> nodding at the comments like as in they had us so 
so ingrained to believe that he was this evil character but when you look back he's like he's just a normal dude he's with just, a bit of bleach he's, he's, he's just a fella who's just been in the basin with the purple shampoo like you can't get it away from him like <laughs> like if you had given that fella normal hair like he wouldn't be half he as would, menacing you would have walked him on the street like oh, said, you'd be like he's got a nice enough voice but like he wouldn't have become Ridian with a capital R. <laughs> oh my God. That Go West performance, I, w- I watched a clip of it as well and like it cuts to the judges at one point and like Louis Walsh is, you know, the way he's like always doing it, he's like tapping the pen off the desk. He's happy way, dancing away and Danny's obviously like has to be enthusiastic obviously because she's a mentor and Simon is just like horrified. Simon doesn't know what he's watching but again, it is literally just a lad doing Go West like and doing it really well doing it really well and Simon turns in the comments and he turns to Danny and he goes I think you might have put him in danger there Danny and Danny looks literally like oh my god I have destroyed this man's life and it's like just because he was wearing a kind of camp military ensemble (laughs) like as in it was actually a stellar performance but I do remember coming away with that feeling of like he shouldn't have done Go West he's pushed it too far now he's pushed out his diehard fans he's going to divide the conservatives Um, (laughs) what was your favourite Ridian performance oh my god well going back over them every single one a banger <laughs> I I actually saw him doing the impossible dream but that was from the next year when he came back he came back to do the show the year after I think my favourite was the Phantom of the Opera because it was just so ridiculous I was a musical theatre girl anyway bait into Les Mis bait into Phantom of the Opera so I actually part of me I think felt like um, that I had some influence over the X Factor. I was like, the fact that I'm so into the Phantom, look at them now, they're doing it. And like, he just, like, he did the Phantom of the Opera song without the girl, without the boat. <laughs> like, but he still managed to look like he was in a boat because the opening shot, he's lying on the ground. Oh. He was lying kind of propped up on his elbow for the like, dun, 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 bum, 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 bum. It just... I remember being like, now the people of the world will know about the Phantom. As if they didn't already. It was already like one of the biggest <laughs> successes on the West End. Thank God this is coming to the mainstream. Thank God at last. This little known star, Andrew Lloyd Webber, will now be known. But I think that was such a moment because like up to that, the X Factor hadn't had, we didn't have Britain's Got Talent at this time. Yeah. So like it was really just, you know, it was Whitney Houston, I Have Nothing. It was all those kind of big belters, but we didn't have this kind of crossover into a fella that could, like he did a great job. He mm. actually would have been a brilliant phantom. I think he might have played it briefly. He, ended, he went on and did loads of, he actually kind of had a much more successful career in terms of on stage than Leon did. He went and did... Of course he did. He did. Fanula. He did. He did. He, the, he did the European tour of War of the Worlds. He did We Will Rock You. He did Greece. He did the Rocky Horror Show. He did Panto. Like he did, he's released, I think, five albums. He, like he's right. collabed with Adina Menzel. He did Punch's Pilot and Jesus Christ Superstar in 2015. <gasps> uh, the Dentist and a Little Shop of Horrors. Loads of bits. He's been you know, kept busy. In, if he did Greece. He definitely was Teen Angel, wasn't he? Oh, he yes. <laughs> Beauty school dropout. I'm obsessed with that. Descending I down with his ice white hair and his steely eyes. He's just, honestly. Did you hear about, oh, sorry, my favourite radio performance, I have to say before I move on to this, um, get this party started. Like it oh. was that. So he's, again, it's like Shirley Bassey style, obviously. And he's like, starts in the audience. He's in like this metallic silver suit. <laughs> And like a massive fur coat, 
walks down the steps and like everyone's trying to like kiss him and like rub off him whatever it's all a bit much he goes past the judge's table flings off the coat everyone's like flinching so they don't get hit by the coat and he goes on stage and it's like I'll be burning rubber you'll be kissing my and then of course he doesn't say it like because X Factor Watershed whatever it is it's well, high he camp he did a little flick he did do a little ass yeah he pop. did he popped like, the ass out I was like Ooh! oh I was you have one Ridian. loving it um, pop into the just iconic, but again, like made out to be demented. Now he has said like that he'll never, he has, he enjoyed his time in the X Factor and everything. So I don't think it like, I don't know that he'd change anything. Well, I certainly would change lots of bits about it. Like his voice was enough. He didn't need to be in a glitter ball suit, did he? Well, I think this was also a big, because Brian Friedman was more involved in oh. this series. So it was like, yeah. but uh, he because he was originally on as a judge and then they did this whole bit where it was like, we're sacking Louis. And then it was like, I brought in Brian for like one audition. And then we were like, actually, sorry, let's bring Louis back. But, and then they used to leave Brian sitting in the front row and the light used to come to him every now and again. So it was like, you're not at the judge's table, but you're sitting next to the judge table and we put a spotlight on you before each of the breaks. Just to really, just to really rub it in. Yeah, yeah. But he apparently his involvement was like they that's why there's more like dancing and more kind of stage stuff because even if you compare to like Steve Brookstein's year, they literally just had them on a stage on a mic and it was like off you pop. But obviously that stopped being interesting for people. Did you know about this, these alleged voting irregularities that a lot of Radian fans were pushing that maybe that's why he lost? I did not and hit me up. I might finally have some closure. Okay, so Ofcom at the time received 1,900 complaints from would-be voters for Ridian saying that despite calling numerous times, they were unable to get through to vote for him. Um, they said that it was like a high number of calls meant some people were got engaged tones, whatever. ITV denied the allegations. They said as the numbers go through the same lines and vote platforms, it is impossible for there to be any bias in favour or against a particular contestant. Um, and he, they confirmed that Leon ended up winning. He only won by 10%, which is like not huge. Like So it was pretty close. Um, and then Ofcom investigated and it was like, no, there was no vote fixing, unfortunately. So sorry I couldn't bring you more positive news about Rudy and Robin. Do you not think in this day and age he'd have ran away with it? Do you not think like now, if it was on, that he would like be way ahead of everybody? I, I don't. I don't... Okay, so I think the standard this year was just particularly poor anyway. Like, I really don't... And I'm not I'm not saying that to be shady. I don't remember any of them bar yeah. the three finalists, which never usually happens. Um, I think he... If it was to come back, I don't think he'd be positioned as, like, weirdo, villain, evil, bleach blonde hair, whatever. Mm. But I still don't know... If we're talking X Factor, I don't know if he'd win. But I think if Britain's Got Talent had existed, he would have been like a Paul Potts, a Susan yeah. Boyle, oh. something like that. Because I just don't think X Factor was at like up to speed in that kind of way. They were very specific in what they wanted. And it was like, it needs to be a pop star and it needs to be in the vein of the Leonas, the Shanes, the whatever. Yeah. And then I suppose it was like, they didn't really have a lot to work with, which was why I think Leon in some ways worked because I said he was marketable, he was young, like handsome, male, but at the same time it was like he wasn't 
boy bandy in his vocals at all. It was very crooner. It was very jazzy. It was very mm. Michael Bublé, which didn't appeal to that audience that were watching, I think. You know what I mean? In the way that they kind of nailed it with One Direction, it was like Leon was left then in this. He was left in the lurch a bit. Isn't it interesting as well that Leon is Scottish, isn't he? Yes, Nothing much was made of that, right? Except for, the, but then in Ridian's case, they kept referring, <laughs> Dermot referred to him as the Welsh wonder. So there was something, they were almost picking out the fact that he was Welsh as something to set him aside as well. So not only does he have ice white hair and twinkly blue eyes and is a bit of, is a, bit of a villain, he's also Welsh. He's also like, Welsh. <laughs> they made it part of his personality. And like, I think it, it they just... They did him dirty. They did him dirty. Like he, in fairness, he had a powerful voice. He'd have been better off doing um, like the search for Joseph, the next Joseph, oh, yeah. and dream will do. Like that would have been his bag. I, I have a slight feeling he might have auditioned for it, but like that would have been, that would have been a good place for him to land, I think. And weirdly, he now manages Lee Mead. Won that. Stop. I will not stop. And do you know Ramin Karamalu, who is, he's a massive musical theatre star. He manages him as well. He's like their PR agent. Oh my God, I didn't know that. Yeah. Can you explain who Lee Mead is just for anyone who's listening at home and is, so doesn't Lee get it? Mead, uh, famously won the competition Anything Any Dream Will Do, which was the search for the next Joseph in Joseph and its amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. He famously ended up marrying Judge Denise Van Outen. They had a baby together. Is now, they have a baby together, yeah. yeah. And he's now on casualty, though I think he may have now left that, but he definitely did that. He was on and casualty? Yeah. Oh my God, I need to go back oh, and watch. wait, no, it might be Holby City. It's oh, one of who the cares? One of the ones with the hospital and it's British. Yeah, he was definitely a doctor. One. <laughs> he definitely had a medical degree in, in TV land. Maybe just a GP. <laughs> yeah. Looking back more kind of on Leon's journey post yeah. X Factor, like it really was kind of a poison chalice for him going back to that point of them not knowing what to do with him. Some people have described it, and I think you'd be included in this, uh, as like the biggest shock in the history of reality TV betting. Yes, yeah, like I'd yeah. say everyone had their money on Ridian at that point but I, again I think it was that positioning of Leon is good Ridian is bad which was strange um, he obviously his winner single was When You Believe um, it's the seventh best selling X Factor single uh, beating off competition from the likes of Little Mix with Cannonball now I will say the only reason for that is because there was a massive campaign for X Factor not to be the number one this year I don't think that's a reflection that of the campaign was really upset me when they started doing that I was really? like why? why can't we have anything we want the X Factor person to be number one go away um, they also beat out Sam Bailey with Skyscraper Louisa Johnson with Forever Young not really surprising there and his debut album also ranks as the eighth best selling debut album from an X Factor winner beating Ben Haynow with his self-titled debut album that's not really a claim to fame there and Joel McEldry with Wide Awake there you no go. way. Yeah. Joe McEldry was the first, I thought, of the um, the campaign, um, the campaign for him to not get number one when he had the climb. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Thought I Joe McEldry. But it's, do you know what? The thing about Leon, when I think about him, I think it's quite unfair. I'm going to have to revise all of this. Like, I hate him. Do you know what I mean? Because my, <laughs> and I'm sure he's a perfectly lovely man, but my kind of memory, nostalgic memory in my brain is, 
that man stole Ridian's crown and I hate him. <laughs> but actually, I'm sure he's fine. I'm going to go do a deep dive on Leon and see, he's, is he okay? I, t- I think he's fine. He's um, he's flat. He does a bit of um, songwriting now and he's based in the States. He's done a few bits for people who've won the voice and stuff. But he's basically said he'd never perform When You Believe Again. Um, right. he, called, <laughs> he called his X Factor success a curse. Obviously no longer in contact with Danny Minogue or Simon Cowell because he was dropped from Psycho Music shortly yeah. after the first album because it just didn't really go anywhere. Um, uh, but then you compare to Ridian. So Ridian's debut album came out in 2008. It was the highest selling album by a male newcomer that year. Sold 600,000 copies, which oh is word. unheard of in this day and age. I bought 590,000 of them. <laughs> You kept Ridian in business, honestly. <laughs> but you know what, though? Do you, there's a cynical part of me after slipping in here now, Fanula, and she doesn't usually slip in, the old cynic. But it was like, did they want him to lose but knew he'd be the most successful? Like, I think they wanted him to come second, but for the brand, they wanted Leon to come first. I think maybe there's, I think th- that wouldn't surprise me if th- those thoughts cross people's mind because like, look, it's, Obviously, they'd had like whopper, mad, wildcard success with Shane Ward and Leona Lewis. They're the ones I keep mentioning because they're the ones that literally came directly before. Yeah. See, Brookstein was a bit of a flop. So maybe they were just like, eh, we can't get it right every year. We're kind of, this is a bit of a dodge year, even though in the promo for this, Simon Cowell kept being like, the the talent is, the standard is higher than ever. The the, the standard is higher than ever, whatever. Um, I think maybe, I think maybe there was an element to it. I think they knew at the very least, they knew what they could do with Ridian, but they knew he wasn't an X Factor winner. So like mm. they knew that, because Ridian ended up signing with Psycho anyway as well for that first album, I'm pretty sure. Um, because when he came back to perform The Impossible Dream that following year, he th- thanked Simon, whatever, and he's thanking the, uh, the viewers at home for voting. So I think it was a case of, okay, we can make money off Ridian. It's a very narrow lane, so to speak. Well, it actually yeah. isn't that narrow, but I suppose in comparison to X Factor, it's narrow. We know what we can do here. He is still popular. He has an audience. He has a great voice. Let's do him and let's sort that out, whatever. And then Leon will try and figure it out. And then I just don't think they could. I think also he was very young. He didn't really have a musical background. He didn't have the strongest of voices. And I think that was kind of the main critique throughout the entire series, that it was like, that he just could never, he was never quite strong enough in the way that maybe some of the other contestants were, but he was younger, more accessible in that way to the female market again. Yeah, but so yeah, no, I'm cynical as well. Man. No, like he clearly, no. he clearly didn't. Like he I didn't even have the T factor. He had, like <laughs> he didn't have any of the letters factor. He should never have been in a position where he was going to win it. And also the it wouldn't you be raging if you were him. Like as in you've gone to all the trouble of winning it. Now everyone is saying you shouldn't have won it. And also the fella that came second is after getting the same prize as you. <laughs> rage. True rage. Um, as a musical theatre theater head, do you remember Luke who made it to Judge's Houses but didn't make it to the finals? Little Blondie Luke. Little he Blondie was Luke. He was, yeah. he was so young. He was like an embryo singing Mandy to Danny and whoever her uh, man was that was with her. Um, he was like very good vocally but was clearly too young for the competition. He went on to be in the original cast of Everybody's Talking About Jamie on the West End. No way. He's super successful now. Journey. Yeah, yeah. So good Can for we him. talk about that fella that Danny had with her? Like, as in the X Factor, my recollection of Judges' Houses was like, it used to be like, and joining me on the panel is Robbie Williams or like 
I don't know, Rod Stewart. It was but just it was just some fella that wrote with her. I need to find his name now because this is going to wreck my head otherwise. But it was yeah. Just like some producer guy. Like that year, Louis Walsh obviously brought them to Dublin. Traumatic. Um, <laughs> and uh, he had Keane Egan. So like, even then it's like, okay, fair enough. You have someone famous. You know what I mean? Um, okay, Cowell went to Marbella with Sunita. Sharon Osbourne and the Pussycat Dolls that year. Ridiculous. Oh, insane. Oh, oh sorry. Danny Minogue uh, was joined by songwriter and producer Terry Ronald. <laughs> I mean, come on, Terry. Like, But wouldn't you be, the two times I think I'd be rotted would be one, when it was Sunita and two, when it was Dublin. <laughs> yeah, no, you can't like, imagine, Sunita is probably a worse disappointment than Dublin, isn't it? No, oh, Tino no shade to Sunita. I'd love to like meet her in a capacity and hang out with her and go for drinks. But at judges' houses, if you're weighing up that, I'd rather the Pussycat Dolls. And also, you'd be like, Simon clearly knows like way more fam- famous people than Sunita. Like, this is just his ex. Like, <laughs> in, should I bring my ex? This is just I going through the little black book. Of like, if I had ever gotten, I did I did an audition for The X Factor, but I did audition for your star. And <gasps> I'm like, Laura, yeah. how have you held back this information until now? Tell us more. Surprise. So um, I auditioned for your star the year after... So the first year of Eurostar, so when pop stars had just happened, so six had been picked. Okay. And Sinead Shepherd was in my uh, secondary school. I, another so, iconic Cork woman. A very iconic Cork woman. And we, uh, I actually uh, sang for her music <gasps> practical in the Leaving Cert with her. Wow. So, or maybe my sister played. There's some connection there. Anyway, anyway. yeah. But because of that, then I was like, oh, I'm going to Eurostar, right? So went in, queued up outside the Metropole, took the day off school. <laughs> queued up outside the Metropole in the queue for ages camera came down to us right and we said we went to school with Sinead Shepherd. delighted right. that made the cut was thrilled that that went out on air then you only got into the producers you know you didn't get into the actual judges okay so I think you know your man that used to play the guitar the, no he used to play the piano Ronan oh he used to play the piano on the den like Ronan <laughs> uh, on hang on I'll google it when Johnson. Ro- Ronan Johnson? Ronan. Ronan O'Hora? No. <laughs> Let's just say Ronan from the Den, who did we the piano music. We did. So yeah. I think he was one of the producers. So I went in and I sang Magic Changes, which Fanula is a song from the musical of Greece, not from the film of Greece. Okay. But from the musical. So not widely known. <laughs> You're very um, alternative. <laughs> I was so, so chic. And I sang it and halfway through it, like it, it goes like this. It's like, what's that playing on the radio? Do, 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 why, do, why, that's way into and fro. But I got up too high anyway. My voice was like, <laughs> right. And they were just like, that's fine. Thank you. You won't be going to see the actual judges. But then another girl that had come with me. Yeah. She was, this was Nadine Coyle vibes. She was underage. Right. And she got through <gasps> to meet the actual judge. And we were freaking. We were like, Evie, you can't like her. You can't because like what happened to Nadine? Like you can't, like this is going to be a big thing. And yeah. oh my God, oh my God. And we were in bits over her. So that <laughs> was, but, but did she get through? No. I don't know. I think she went and sang from the judges and then confessed. She got out her old passport like Nadine. <laughs> Who were the judges at that point on your sir? It was Louis and it was, so Ray Darcy was presenting. It was Louis, Phil Coulter and Linda Martin. My God, what a time. I mean, three icons. Three icons. <laughs> and Ray Darcy. <laughs> Well, I was actually more excited about meeting Ray Darcy, to be honest. Fair, so fair. 
Would you want X Factor to come back? Like, what are your feelings on it now and a potential reboot at any stage? Well, I have complicated feelings about this because obviously I've watched stuff recently about the kind of body shaming that used to go on. Mm. And I remember at the time just being totally accepting of like very normal size 14 to 16 year old girls being told they needed to lose like 10 stone. And that went into my soul. Do you know what I mean? Like I, it was at that time where we were exposed to a lot of that anyway. So it's only now when I look back, I'm like, oh my God, that was outrageous. And I just accepted it as fact. I think it Probably like what I loved about it was the kind of appointment to view that we'd all watch it on a Saturday together. We'd all be talking about it. The result show was on the next day. We'd all be like, I mean, there was a time where me and my mother used to skip mass so that we'd be home in time. Not mass, Laura. My mother going, come on, we have to skip mass till we get home for the X Factor. So like, I loved that kind of group watching and that collective sense and, you know, having your favourite and having the one that you hated. I don't know that it would survive in this day and age because um, it's not that long since it was off air, but like, as in really hating somebody now wouldn't be okay. Like I sometimes look back over my Facebook memories and you remember when Frankie Cocosa was on every week without fail mine was like fuck off Frankie would you ever wash yourself you manky looking you like so aggressive or the fella Christopher who loved his nan Christopher Maloney one way home to your nan Chris like you such unnecessary aggression whereas nowadays like in this world of like trolls and stuff like I, I don't think it would survive like part of it thrived on you having a favourite and you hating the rest of them so I don't know and I think I think oh I'd say super woke people would probably destroy the crack of it you know is the crack kind of gone is the moment kind of passed yeah I think it brought out the worst in people and I don't know. I'm I'm not against it ever coming back, but it no. definitely needs definitely needs longer to bed and maybe a rejig of the format and people involved. Yada yada yada. Like I think you could definitely reboot the likes of the search for the musical theatre stars. You could definitely reboot that because it, it's more the narrowness of that is good. Whereas like the the broad scope of pop music and the myriad of opinions and all of that and they'd like you would lose some of the best bits of it like some of the best bits of it were like Sharon being lousy to contestants Mm. but whereas in this day and age she'd be cancelled in a shot like yeah yeah probably rightly so but it does kill some of the crack Uh, before I let you go say you're in the X Factor now right it's the glory days and you make it to the final and you get to duet with your celebrity of choice, right? Your celebrity right. singer singer of uh, choice. Because for this final, um, Leon got to duet with Kylie Minogue. Don't know if you remember oh that. God. Better the Devil You Know. And then Ridian got Catherine Jenkins, obviously, to do You Raise Me Up. And we yeah. also, we all remember Alexander Burke and Beyonce. Iconic. Nothing will ever Amazing. top it. If you got the chance, who would you love to collab with at your own X Factor live final? Okay, well, I have like my real kind of uncool, very relatively unknown answer and I have my real answer. Okay, so like I would uh, like to duet with Alfie Bow. He is a massive musical theatre star. He was actually on Love Island this year, if you recall. He He was? He was? He was? and was? He Oh my God, iconic. And my child, Alfie, is actually named after him. Now, my husband heavily disputes that. That's <laughs> the reason, but it is the reason. Uh, so he's a big belter of a musical theatre star. So I'd like him, right. really. But I suppose like if you were picking in this day and age, 
I, I, I wouldn't see beyond Ed Sheeran, to be honest. I'd be like, come on, Ed. And I think I could drown him out with my vocal as well. Because he, <laughs> like, he's a great singer and musician and everything, but I think I could belt out over him. Just have him habits. Just have him playing guitar. He'd be fine. Yeah, Exactly, absolutely. yeah. I'll take the vocal, Ed. Absolutely. Who would you pick? Oh, God. Who would I pick? Fuck, I need to prepare answers for my own questions. <laughs> um, who would I pick? Oh, God. Um, every single... Oh, what about Lizzo? Lizzo, Lizzo would be, be very amazing. good. You'd have a lot of fun, but she has the musical cal- calibre as well. But then she could also just play, if she wanted to just accompany you on flute, like. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, if anyone's accompanying me on flute, I want it to be Michael Flatley. <laughs> so fair. Um, I think I'd pick Katy Perry. Maybe that's a boring answer, but. Or Taylor Swift, because I also feel like I could drown her out. Yeah. I and think, take the moment for myself. Yeah, I think one of them good girls, like Dua Lipa or any of those kind of. Yeah. You know, they're pumping out the banging pop hits. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, Laura, it has been an absolute pleasure. Where can people find out more about you, follow you, hear all your funny things? You're a funny gal. I know people are going to want to be checking up on you after this episode. Well, I'm regularly in Mahon Point in Cork, so you can <laughs> follow me around there if you, if you get a chance. But if you want to follow me virtually, I'm on Instagram, Laura Lodz Lots, and I'm on the radio Monday to Friday on Cork's Red FM. The only Cork station I'm going to... I'm gonna, only one. It's I'm gonna, the only one of any note. I'm going <laughs> to nail my... I used to pester Victor Barry when he was on in the evenings doing yeah. Cork Talks Back. I used to just be flat out texting him. That was my first intro into media, just being like, I love this. This could be me. Just flat but out. I bet you he loved you because we love like our regulars. Oh, I think them. he did. Like, oh, yes, she's been on there now again. Yeah, love you, Vic, if you're out there somewhere. <laughs> um, Laura, it's been an absolute pleasure. You'll have to you'll have to come back and do something else. Have a think. Um, I have a big think, yeah. And we'll get you on next season. Uh, but until then... Thank you so much for joining me on Flap Culture. Thank you, Fanula. And I link all of Laura's socials in the show notes. What a skit. Even listening back to that, like, because obviously we recorded this in 2022. I mean, I was hooting and hollering. She is so, so funny and I can't wait to have her back. We kind of spoke there at the end about why we don't think an X Factor reboot would work in 2023 or, I mean, any year going forward because so much of what made X Factor great from a viewer's perspective wouldn't slide now. And I think, rightly so, I think as much as people sign up to be on TV and put themselves out there, that doesn't mean they deserve to be in a position where they are being lambasted, harassed, trolled. It is still a line that people cross to this day. It's a line I find hard. I don't want to say I find it hard, but I I still cross it occasionally, regretfully, when you're watching something like Love Island. There's a real disconnect and a real parasocial thing or whatever the opposite of parasocial is where you're looking at someone on TV and you're like, you're a character. You're not a, you're not a real person, but they are. And... Sometimes we say things forgetting that. Um, And as much as, you know, it is really entertaining to watch people put themselves out there for better or worse, whether they can sing or they can't, and us sit on our couches and judge them kind of silently or vocally, um, that's, that's not on in a lot of ways. And a lot of contestants did suffer. And there's also the issue of like what the show did, in terms of protecting them, like this was way before anyone knew what the words duty of care meant with regards to a reality TV show, Uh, which is why I found it interesting this week, knowing this episode was coming out, we had some news from former X Factor contestant Katie Wasel, 
who people will remember from the show in 2010, was like Madonna-esque, blonde, was kind of positioned as almost like nearly a novelty act, but not quite, like definitely had the talent there, but Simon just didn't ever seem to like, and always got a really, really rough go of it uh, during the live shows. She's actually planning to sue Simon Cowell's company over her treatment on the show. Um, she She's retrained in law so that she could take legal action against Psycho Entertainment. She's planning on bringing a civil case of personal injury under negligence against the company. Simon Cowell's obviously the director of Psycho Entertainment. Uh, this was all in conversation with the Sunday Times this past weekend. Uh, Wazel and her team have sent a letter of claim to Psycho Entertainment. Uh, she said... She became a hate figure on the show, which I think is absolutely accurate. People did not like her. Uh, she said she received acid attack and death threats. She claimed she wasn't allowed to leave the house. She lived in during the live shows, barely slept, barely ate, has been through therapy and counselling for post-traumatic stress disorder, uh, and basically said that Psycho Entertainment completely failed in its obligations to provide a duty of care to her and the other contestants. Um, she'd enrolled at BPP University in London. She's graduated with a postgraduate law degree so she can work as paralegal and undertake further legal training if she wants to become a lawyer. Um, she basically said, there are so many of us who've been so trapped and it's not fair. There was a huge imbalance in power. I just wanted to be able to understand the contracts and to protect people from being manipulated in the future. Another mad thing that I just this is nuts to me. She said that she was paid a token sum of one pound to appear on the live Saturday night shows with contestants not legally classed as employees, which never happens now. Even the Love Island people, like they are covered a basic wage, I think, or I don't want to say that, but they are covered financially for being in there. You're paid for being in there. Um, and she made it, she didn't make it all the way to the end, but she made it about halfway through those live shows. I'm pretty sure I'm open to correction on that that's a paltry sum a paltry paltry sum uh, she might have an issue with her legal claim because of how long it's been since the events on the show so the statute of limitations for personal injury suits they it stands at three years so basically it's up to her and her team to convince a judge to waive this <sighs> and then this is on top of the fact that there's obviously, apparently, this isn't confirmed, but this kind of juggernaut X factor behind the scenes, like what really happened documentary in the works. Um, that's going to like expose everything bad that was going on and how badly people were treated. Um, but also as well, last August, I think it was, there was a source told the mirror that whoever this person was, no idea if this is Katie or if this is someone else, but this person and five other former X Factor contestants were approaching a law firm to sue Psycho for at least £1 million. Um, and I think at the time, a spokesperson for X Factor came out and said this. So they said, welfare of those taking part is our number one priority and we have robust measures and welfare teams in place to ensure support is always available. We are unaware of any legal claims being filed against the X Factor and despite not being on air for several years, we remain open to discuss concerns with anyone who chooses to do so. There might not be a UK reboot, but I did not know this. They are ploughing ahead with an American reboot and it's actually due out this year. I had no idea about this. So Darren Chris from Glee is hosting and the judging panel is Simon Cowell, obviously, Kelly Clarkson, which I'm just like, 
get a job, stay away from her. I just, and I get, it's obviously difficult for her because she got her career from Idol and Simon and everything else, blah, blah, blah. And, but I'm just like, you do not need him, girl. You do not need this. Anyway, so it's Kelly, Randy Jackson and Alicia Dixon, which I'm like, I really like Alicia. I don't want this to be seen as like me not liking her. I think she works really well in that format. But I'm like, is that going to translate to America? Like, if they couldn't handle poor... Jordy, Cheryl and her really wide legged trousers. I don't know. We'll see. Um, and in terms of uh, franchises that are still airing, like the X Factor is still on in countries like Belarus, Denmark, Colombia, Kazakhstan. The X Factor lives on. It's just permeated so many parts of society. Um, and as much as I don't miss the bad parts of it, there was something so much, and Laura touched on this, the event television, sitting in, being there, everyone talking about the same thing and the musical element of it and watching the show, watching the show change. And look, nothing good lasts forever. And especially with reality, reality TV, lightning rarely strikes twice. Um, so yeah, we'll see. I wouldn't be surprised if we are talking about a UK reboot maybe in like three years, unless there's some massive comeuppance for Simon and Cole, which who knows? Anyway, let us move on to top of the flops. You're a flop. Top of the flops this week is Kate Moss for believing absolutely anything an Irish person says. She turned 49 this week. Happy birthday, Kate. Uh, and to celebrate her birthday, British Vogue shared a clip on their TikTok from a previous interview she did uh, in which she talks about a visit to Ireland. So in the interview, it's originally from 2021, she's answering questions from like, friends and family and model Christy Turlington Burns asks her, do you remember why we call you Little Wagon and where we were when we started doing it? Naomi Campbell and I have been calling you Little Wagon for a very long time and I can't remember how that started. And then Kate with the most confidence in the world, the only confidence that only a British person has, turns to the camera and says, we were in Ireland and we got a little bit tipsy at a wedding. And I think in Irish, wagon is drunk. So basically, we were all wagons. Because during that time, we were all doing shows, drinking a lot of champagne and calling each other wagons. Oh, babe. Oh, no. <laughs> Not good. Surely someone can do some actual investigative journalism there and find the woman who called Kate a wagon. That's the story I want to hear. The woman who came face to face with Kate Moss and said, you are wrecking my head. You're a wagon. And Kate being like, oh, thank you. Thanks, babes. Anyway, Kate, you are top of the flops. I love you, but bigger fool you. Bigger fool you for believing any Irish person because we are, we're just big silly messers especially when it comes to the Brits. Any chance we get, we are going to be big silly messers too and you're just going to have to put up with it. Thank you so much for listening. It is great to be back. Just wait till you hear some of the other episodes. So funny. So, so funny. You you will be weighing because I certainly was. We are Flop Culture underscore pod on Instagram and TikTok. Come follow us for more. I'm currently fighting for my life over on TikTok at the moment because people think I hate Madonna and I don't. Nuance on the internet, eh? Where would you get it? You can get in touch with us at helloflopculture at gmail.com. Do you have an idea for a flop that you want covered? Someone on TikTok suggested Catwoman 
2004 film, Halle Berry. An absolute stellar suggestion. Probably won't be covered this season, but definitely at some stage. So if you have any other suggestions, let us know. Uh, I'd also love if you could rate the show on Apple Podcasts. Uh, if you leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and your name or nickname, I'd recommend a bop or flop to you to enjoy. You can also leave a five-star review on Spotify. This podcast has been edited by Adam Shanahan. Artwork, as always, by the lovely Brian Lambert. And until next week, see ya! Thank you.